This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. So, Meg, you know, I started to write out the questions to this interview and I was like, Meg has probably talked about this a hundred thousand times. Like, what's it like to be in your body and, and be living in this culture that we're in right now that's so obsessed with thinness and the beauty ideals and blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, how in God's name is Meg balancing this like massive community that you're creating. You just released a book. You just launched this incredible new online program, which I want you to tell us all about. Like, how are you doing over there amidst everything that's going on? I mean, I'm trying to sleep as much as possible and it's not working out. So. <laughs> so, you also have a little one. Yeah. She's three and a half, but she goes to preschool uh, Monday through Friday. And so I try and jam everything into while she's gone. And then when she gets home, you know, we try and do the whole routine. I try and put my phone down and not do anything, but it's always like going off and I'm like getting emails and I'm just like, I need like three hours. Give me three (laughs) hours to get my child to bed and to sleep. And then I can get back to you. So normally like we put her down and it's like, then it's eight o'clock and I'm like, okay, I have more work to do. So then I, I'm writing and I'm emailing and trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to do the next day to get everything done. So it's been a lot. Sounds so familiar. For people who have not met you yet, Meg is like one of the most inspiring women out there. She is a powerhouse with a beautiful voice and message and is really blowing the lid off of an entire industry, making space for so many more women. We've almost like touched on the grand finale is like shit is going off the hook for you right now. There's a lot of stuff happening. (laughs) Let's rewind and go all the way back to the beginning. I'd love to know like where you grew up and, and what your childhood was like. Yeah. So I grew up in Pearsall, Texas. It's like a tiny little town. Uh, That was like my whole life. I didn't really know the outside world. It's just whatever was in that town was what I was used to, which it was a Hispanic town. I didn't really see many people other than my own race. It was just very like a small little bubble. And so whenever I moved away um, in about ninth grade, we moved to Dallas, Fort Worth it was like a culture shock because there were so many different people. And like, I was just this outsider and I was like trying to like figure out what the world is like. And I was very curious and I did sports for a little bit, you know, whenever I grew up in Pearsall and then we moved. Um, but that was just like a whole ordeal. I ended up actually getting kicked out of athletics in ninth grade. Cause I got in a fight and no way. Yeah, <laughs> like, a whole, like a fist fight. Like, yeah, it was just not good. Like I, I, every time somebody would like mention something to me or they would like throw things at me, it was just very like horrible that experience moving into a new school. And it was like a big city and they were just like, who is this girl? Like she's, and it was questionable to people back then, which I wasn't even plus size whenever I was that age in like ninth grade, but I wasn't the same size as all the other girls. And so since it was strange for them to have me come in and be running just as fast as them on our like mile run for me to be doing just as good as them on like the A team, you know how there's like an A team and a B team. And it was confusing to them because they didn't really understand why I was the way I was. So they just kind of like bullied me a lot and picked on me. And finally, I just kind of lost my shit. And that was the end of it. Yeah. I mean, and it was everybody against me, everybody's word against me. Like, oh, I'm the one that started it. I was the one that, cause it was always like when people weren't watching. And so I gave up on sports altogether at that point after ninth grade, I was like, I have to figure out something else to do with my life. Like I need to like, what else is fun? And so that's why I started doing more music. Like I was in band and all that. And so I was like, well, I'll just do this now. (laughs) This will just be, you know, my thing now all the way until I graduated college. I got my degree in music education. I became a music teacher and 
I let go of that like dream of mine that I used. I wanted to be a coach. I found like a letter. My mom found a letter not that long ago when she was going through old pictures for the Today Show. And she was like, oh my God, I found this letter. And she showed it to me and I read it. And it was me like talking to myself when I was like 14, just saying like I was writing this thing about how, you know, one day I'm going to be a coach and I can't wait to like change people's lives. And I can't like I want to do good in the world and I don't feel accepted in the world. And one day like it's going to change and it's going to be better for me and that I have hope. But that right now it's just really hard. And I hope life isn't always this hard. And I was just like sobbing as I'm like reading this letter because I'm just like, oh, my God, like I actually I thought that dream was over. I thought all of those passions that I once had were over. And then all of a sudden, like, here I am, like we were getting pictures ready for the Today Show. And here's this book that I wrote. It's insane to think that, you know, when you're young, you have dreams and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like everybody wants to be a singer. Like one day I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a superstar. Yep, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're little, you know, they seem so real, like possible. And then as you get older, you realize, okay, the possibilities are only for people that look this way. Like success only happens to this type of person. So why even try? And so I, when I realized that once I was like in high school and college, I was like, oh, well, that was a dumb dream anyway. Like who would hire me as a coach? Like no place would hire me to do anything fitness related. So it's a good thing I chose music because in music, you can be all shapes and sizes and it doesn't matter because your talent is in you know, your instrument, whatever your instrument is, your voice or your clarinet, which is what I played. I hit a wall when I was in my mid twenties. I'd been teaching for a little bit. It was a month after I got married and I just felt overwhelmed. I didn't feel happy with my job. I felt very guilty because of that. Cause I work with kids like from pre-K through fifth grade. And I love those kids. Like I was very like emotionally attached to them, but I just didn't feel happy at all. Like I, every day I would get up and just cry before I would go to work. I would just cry and cry for like 30 minutes. And then I would get in the shower and then I'd like clean up and put my exact same outfit I wore on. I had one pair of black slacks that I wore every single day. I bought them. I bought like eight pairs and I would wear the same exact pair every day to work when I was a teacher. And then I bought like three different blouses and I bought them in every color. It was like the same exact blouse that was like button up and three quarter sleeves, bought every color. And that was my outfit every day at work with the same shoes that were like not stylish at all. And I thought that's what I needed to be. Like, that's who I am. This is what's acceptable for me to do. So this is what I'm going to do every single day. Wow. And you it was just gave yourself a uniform yeah. on your perception of of what was okay or what, and, and probably as well at the time, like what you could see was available out there. Oh yeah. I couldn't find anything. I mean, I had a very small budget back then, so I couldn't afford like ethical clothing that was like $90 for a shirt. Like, no, absolutely not. $10 was like my max budget per blouse per pant. And so, I mean, there wasn't anything available, especially in my size. So I just thought that's what I needed to do. And if I wore anything different, I knew people would look anytime I would wear like lipstick, I'd get so self-conscious because I would feel people staring at me. And I don't know if that was just all in my head back then, or if I just felt like, oh, I don't deserve to put lipstick on because people are going to be like, oh, why does she think she's cute? Like putting lipstick on. Mm. And so it was just like a becoming once I had my daughter and I was like, okay, I'm I need to come out of this. I need to stop thinking this way. This is ridiculous. Like I'm not living. And then she's going to see me not living. But I mean, to back up, actually, I ended up quitting my teaching job. Yeah. Yes. I quit in the middle of the year on a random like Thursday where I just had a full panic attack because I would have panic attacks often and they were happening more and more frequently. And then finally, I just, I was driving to work and I couldn't, like, I couldn't take it anymore. I pulled into the parking lot and the teachers ran over because they could tell that I like, was gasping and I just wasn't fully there. And I was like swerving and they opened the door and they were like with their hands stepping on the brake and like calling 911. And that's what led me to quitting that day where I just resigned. I was like, I can't like, this is getting out of control. Um, and I was like, what, what made that so much worse? And I actually thought of this moment that I was driving to work and it was always very like, uh, as I was driving and I saw this like I don't know if it was like a car wreck or what. And this guy was like on a pole 
And I stopped because I was like, oh, that doesn't look good. Like maybe it had just happened. Do I need to call 911? I stopped and I got out and walked over to him. And I was already like all flustered from just my typical morning. And he was like trapped in the car and like barely hanging on. And like, I was trying to like talk to him and like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And I think that moment, for some reason, it was like a week later, whenever I just had a panic attack every single day, it got worse and worse until I just exploded. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. I mean, that's an incredibly anxiety provoking moment to be in and to see somebody. I mean, you, f- you are going through a, a moment in time where you don't feel like you're fully living your life. And then yeah. you're seeing somebody who's like on the brink and seeing the fragility of life in that moment yeah. that would really turn on your fight or flight system. And when you're already operating, you know, in that space, you're so vulnerable. Yeah. That had something to do with how worse it got fall up up until that next week. Cause I just felt like I was getting to that point where in my like depression and my anxiety that I just didn't want to be here anymore. And I had just gotten married the month before we had been married for a month at that point. And I just, I didn't understand why I felt this way. And I felt so guilty. And I knew that there was something wrong with me. Like, is it my mental health? I, I finally actually would talk about that to doctors they never cared. It was always like, well, I mean, maybe if you started dieting and exercising, that's going to solve it. Like you won't feel so sluggish and you'll start feeling happier. And it would just always make me so mad because that's just what they would say. And well, it didn't I, make sense to me. I've heard from, you know, so many people and, and reading, 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 um, Christy Harrison's book that I talk about nonstop. Cause I'm like, I will not stop until everyone's read that book. And she just does such a brilliant job of explaining how diet culture is so deeply interwoven into our culture and stems into the medical field. So many medical professionals, the first thing that they see is the weight yet it's really the stigma around weight and the shame that individuals feel around the weight that can sometimes lead to more of the health things. And also you can also be incredibly healthy. I mean, listen, I'm in a thin body and I've struggled with anxiety, depression, anxiety attacks, postpartum eating disorders, like those yeah, things. Skinny body impact. doesn't solve that. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> like, but nobody's ever said to me, like you should, the first thing was, has never been, you should probably lose weight or go on a diet. Right. Yes. Yeah. Or make sure you're exercising. Like 
They just assume that you are probably. Absolutely. And I can't imagine, you know, when you're in those spaces, it already feels so vulnerable to be having those conversations. You're already feeling so at a loss as to how to take a step forward. Mm -hmm. Also, when you have severe anxiety and depression, like just getting out and going for a workout is not like you don't have the capacity for that. You're, you're exactly. like, I can barely feed myself and like get out of bed in the morning, let alone yeah. like hit the gym multiple times. Exactly. Like oh. maybe if I had started medication at that point, I'm wondering how different things would have turned out for me. You know, if I was able to kind of balance everything that was going on in my body yes. and then I could maybe see clear and think clearer. And then yes. maybe I would have chose to start moving my body and like doing things that are health related, you know? So nobody recommended like checking your levels or getting you started on an antidepressant or anything at that time? Oh, never, never. I'm still, still to this day, I'm trying to get on medication and I haven't, had success yet with a doctor. I'm trying to find like a psychiatrist so that I can actually maybe do it differently rather than a, a normal doctor. So, but I did have a really good experience with my fertility doctor that I had an appointment with last week. And I like cried after, cause it, I had never been treated like that before. And he even at one point stopped and he was like, I just want you to know that like all of this with PCOS and everything, like none of it is your fault women are born with this and you, you have, you had nothing to do with it. I hope you know that. And I was just like, you have no idea what that means to hear that. I've never heard that my entire life. And he was just like, really? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I never in my life have I heard that. And I was actually, everything has been pinpointed to your weight, everything. Yeah. My whole life, everything is all about the weight. And so how am I supposed to live and like, get out there in the world if every single thing revolves around that. And it's just exhausting. But that's why I went on that whole weight loss journey. And I did everything possible to shrink so that everybody would just leave me the hell alone for once and maybe treat me differently. And it worked for a little bit. You know, I lost like a hundred pounds and I thought maybe this was the end of all the craziness, but it really wasn't because I was still plus size. I lost a hundred pounds and people still consider me plus size. I was told to keep going. Oh yeah. Keep going. You're doing great. Keep going. Keep going. I'm like, well, at what point do I not have to keep going? At what point is it, is it enough for you? So you started having the panic attacks, you quit your job. And is that when your weight loss journey started? Yeah, it was about a year later. I got a new job about a month after I resigned at a music school which it was great. I was so excited because I, all I did was work the front desk. I was an administrative assistant and it was just all private lessons. And I was able to handle the scheduling and it was easy. I mean, it was a lot less money than I was making as a teacher, but I felt like it was helping my mental health. And so that year I started, you know, feeling better, even though I wasn't on medication or anything, just the environment felt a little bit better for me. Like it wasn't so crazy. It was just, it was relaxed. I was at a desk. I wasn't jumping around. It was just very routine every single day. Yes. So that was good for me. And then we decided, okay, well, I think I feel better. You know, I'm cured. <laughs> Let's have a baby. Yeah. So it was about a year later, I was doing that job. I had gotten promoted to manager. I was so excited. We were like, let's do it. And so we went to my OBGYN and we told her, yeah, we're thinking of starting a family. I just wanted to see like, is, do I tell you that? Or or do I just, do I just go and like, start getting at it? Like, how does this work? And that makes me laugh so much because when I first got pregnant, we like immediately booked a doctor's appointment and went into the clinic. We got in there. We're like, our, the test says that I'm pregnant. And she was like, okay. And we were like, well, okay, well, okay. So we tell you, and she's like, well, most people don't like, you don't have to be here right now. And we're like, really? <laughs> we feel like we need some support. Like, what do we do next? But yeah, you don't that know. That is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what we did. And we weren't even pregnant yet. We were just like, all right, we're here. She was like, what? But I mean, it, it turned very quickly because she was like, well, you know, if you do decide to get pregnant, just know that you're going to have to find a specialty doctor to work with you because, you know, I only work with patients up to like 175 pounds because anybody above that is high risk. And I was just like, what? Really? Wow. I was like, I didn't know that. And she was like, yeah, she was like, I really, really advise you if you want to have like a really healthy pregnancy and you want to make it through the birth 
it would just be great if you started exercising, go on a clean based diet and just, you know, get your body ready for that. And in my mind, I was like, oh, shoot. like, okay, okay. That's what I got to do. All right. Well, cause um, any, <laughs> any like mom who's even, or woman who's planning, like, of course you want to have a healthy pregnancy. Of I know you want to make it through the delivery. Exactly. I was like, what? Do you, I don't understand. And it terrified me. Cause she was like, you know, just know that you, there's a chance that it could be just really high risk and you may not even make it to full term and just kind of saying like, you, you better change something about your body or it's going to be bad, or you may not even be able to get pregnant. And I was having irregular periods and she never once said, Oh, you're having regular periods. Like maybe we should, you know, do like an ultrasound, go to a fertility doctor, just, just to get everything checked out to make sure all is well. Yeah. No, nothing. It was all about, you got to lose the weight first and then you'll be good. And so that's what I did for two years. Uh, my poor husband. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, every time I like think about it, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I put him through hell through those two years. Cause we did every diet, every single one for like a month at a time. Yeah. At one point we were eating like 500 calories a day. We did that for almost three months. He <gasps> shed so much weight. He was like frail and I was like, that starvation though, at that point, it was horrible. Yeah. Cause it was the one where they give you like drops under your tongue and it's supposed to suppress your appetite when it it, it does absolutely nothing. And I thought it was my fault. Cause I'm like, why am I so hungry? These drops are supposed (laughs) to suppress. Uh, Maybe my appetite is that big that it only suppressed it down to like this, you know, whatever I would eat like a whole onion for dinner. That was my dinner with like two pieces of meat. No, terrible terrible. I'm actually like getting so emotional hearing this, knowing that there's people out there who are doing that right now, like who feel there's so many people. It's so awful. And it's just this cycle that you, it's so hard to get out of ever. And it continuously like drives you and your Mm self-esteem and your confidence and your mental health into the ground. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened. I, we did that for two years I was taking monthly photos and my husband would take them and I would compare, I would zoom in and be like, Oh, I don't see any difference. And he'd have to sit there with me and be like, well, I kind of see a little bit. He would like circle like right there. I see a little bit, it's a little bit smaller. And he was trying so hard to just make me feel you're doing a good job. This is successful. Keep going. But he knew like deep down that it was very unhealthy. He could tell, I mean, I would get up in the morning, I'd go to the bathroom and after I'd go to the bathroom, I'd get on the scale. If it wasn't lower than yesterday, I'd go and sit on the, the pot again and like push really hard to see what else I could get out. Okay. I would like lean forward and yes. it was, it was oh. awful. Then I'd get back on the scale. And if the scale wasn't at least point something lower my whole day, I was just going to be awful to everybody that I was around. It was terrible. Like, it's hard for me sometimes to think of the girl who was doing Instagram posts about how I'm like so happy and I'm, mm. I'm losing the weight and I'm being successful. And I, I just think about how I was just talking myself into the happiness and talking myself into like, it's working and this is okay. And I think I convinced myself of that long enough to lose a hundred pounds, even though I was not living at all. But when I had my daughter, when I got pregnant, because I gained about 80 pounds during the pregnancy, which was a whole ordeal in itself because I wasn't allowed to gain more than 20 pounds. Um, That's what you were told. Yeah. Yeah. And I quickly gained 20 pounds back for your body to be healthy and well. It was like, yeah. And I was finally eating again. (laughs) You know, I hadn't been eating for two years. And then all of a sudden now I was like eating a normal meal. Yeah. I was eating my a full meal because I knew that that's what I needed to do. And they told me, they were like, yeah, as long as you eat, you know, healthy and you exercise, you'll probably only gain about 20 pounds. So anything more than that is probably based on your sedentary lifestyle and your diet. And, break. Oh. and so I was like, oh shoot, I really got to kick it into gear. So I kept working out. I was eating like, I don't want to say good because what is good? But in my mind at the time, I I assumed I was eating good and I don't know. I just, I gained 80 pounds, but it makes sense because after you lose a lot of weight, 
I mean, the science shows 95 to 97% gain it right back. And the fact that I was pregnant, I mean, my body was just like, all right, let's go. Like, we got to get ready for this. And so I gained 80 pounds by the time I, I gave birth to her. And I'm sitting there after I gave birth in the hospital room, I go into the bathroom to take my first (laughs) <laughs> bowel movement that was terrifying Which is terrifying it's like the most Horrible. scary moment ever you're like oh I gotta go but I also feel like I need to hold it in and- I know I'm like I don't want to push so I'm like half pushing and then I <laughs> half pushing so that's what I went into the bathroom to do the first you know time I was gonna go to the bathroom and I walk in and I look in the, the mirror and I have my robe on I knew I was gonna have to get in the shower and I didn't want the robe to like go in the toilet and I'm like okay I'm gonna take it off and I like, I froze. Cause I was like, Ugh, I really don't want to see. Cause I really didn't look at myself my entire, pre- entire pregnancy. And I was like, oh. well, I said, well, for some reason, like I thought of her cause she was like a little newborn right outside the door with my husband. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to look for her. It was like a slow moment, very dramatic in my head where I just like dropped it down. And I just stared at myself maybe for like three or four seconds And then I quickly turned around and like, that was the first time that I was like, you need to accept yourself in this moment, at least for half a second. Mm -hmm. And that was the very first time that I attempted to do that. And from that point forward, I just kept thinking about it and like, how am I going to go on this weight loss journey again? How am I going to do that again with a newborn? How am I supposed to do this? Like I'm starving, like my milk, like I need, like I, I need to be nourishing myself. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to go work out? They're telling me I need to make sure I'm working out. And like my vagina is split open and like bleeding everywhere. (laughs) Like I'm wearing a diaper right now. What the hell? And that's another thing that really pisses me off is that like when, after I had my kids, it was like, don't work out, like take time, wait at least six weeks before you're even doing anything like remotely to exert yourself. And so I feel like what you heard was different based on your body size. And yeah, yet I worked in a physio clinic, my parents physio clinic for years. And I know that for pelvic floor health and for our abdominals and everything after having babies, women do need to rest. Like our bodies have just been through so much. Yeah. And so it's important for all women to know that we've got to really like temper our expectations around this whole like bounce back. And I got to be like matching what those Victoria's secret models who are on the runway four weeks after giving birth, we've got to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And you didn't hear that. You didn't, that's not the message that you heard. No, I mean, they didn't necessarily say to go exercise, but they were very clear to just be careful, not to just sit around all the time. And so in my mind, I took that as, oh, okay. So I just, it, it, it can't be because of my size. It must be because of what I just went through. They want to make sure I'm like getting up and walking around and like staying moving. And so I started doing that immediately after I had her. I mean, I was walking around the house and like keeping myself moving. And we ended up having to go to the NICU because she got jaundice like two days after we came home because yeah. um, I was really struggling with breastfeeding And so she wasn't getting what she needed. So she got jaundice. So we had to go into the NICU for about two or three days. And during that time, I thought, okay, well, I need to be walking, you know, I need to be moving and like, I can't just lay down. So that's what I did. And my ankles were like probably as big or bigger than my calves. It was scary because I was just getting so swollen from walking around so much. And finally, my husband's like, no, you have got to sit down, like sit down, go to sleep and relax for a second. And I'm like, well, no, I have to keep moving. And that's what they said. And like, I haven't gone to the bathroom yet, like gone to a full bathroom yet. And so I was just like worried about all that. And he was like, no, you're going to sit down and you're going to relax for once. Good. And Good then, man right there. <laughs> I know like he, he saved me in that moment. And, and, you know, after that, I, I just kept thinking about it every time I held her and I was looking at her, I just thought like, what is she going to see? She's going to see one of two things. And I have to make a decision. Is she going to see the mom that's got all of the charts on the refrigerator that are highlighting everything she can eat, like the seven almonds, like, or is she going to see the mom who cooks up a meal and just eats and enjoys and sits down with the family. Like which, which one is she going to see? And I knew that if I didn't choose the weight loss journey, I knew that if I didn't choose that, I wasn't going to be thin. 
like no matter what I could focus on my health. I could exercise. There's so many things I could do that are healthy for me, but I'm not going to be thin if I don't do it the way that I used to. So, so what do I choose? So I chose her. I chose the option that is going to be best for me and best for her. And I'm not thin. And that's the end result. And it is what it is. And I finally accepted that. It's okay. I'm so happy. I have so much fun powerlifting. I'm going to be competing again. I'm, we're trying to have another baby. It's like, I feel so happy and so much better. And I can't imagine how different it would be had I not, had I chosen the other path. Mm. And so that's why I like wrote the book and everything. Cause I'm like, don't choose that path. I'm telling you, it's so much better over here. Life is so much more colorful and exciting and like full of adventure and experiences whenever you actually choose life. If you choose weight loss and choose being thin at all costs, you lose life. And at that point, what is the point of life? All right, so sometimes companies will send me a product to try. And about a year ago, I received this cool teeth whitening kit from a company called High Smile. To be completely honest, part of me was like, yes, give me the red carpet, shiny, glossy white teeth so that I look like I have an Insta filter on me 24 seven. But another part of me was terrified to use it because truly my teeth are as sensitive as my soul, which is really, really freaking sensitive. That kit sat on our bathroom counter for months and I couldn't get up the nerve to do it because I'd had such awful experiences with whitening strips and even using a dentist for whitening. So here's the deal. I would never lie to you girls because it's taken so much time to build up what we've got going on, but I want you to know I finally tried High Smile. I had zero sensitivity, like none, no sensitivity whatsoever. Here's the best part. High Smile just released a brand new kit with an even more effective formulation. So whiter teeth, it's been clinically trialed for effectiveness and came back with 0% sensitivity across all participants. It's so easy to use. There are no awkward strips or expensive visits to the dentist. And most importantly, no sensitivity. High Smile uses wireless LED light technology to whiten with six daily uses and without any harmful peroxides. With over 25,000 five-star reviews, I am not the only one impressed with High Smile. If you're interested in brightening your smile, visit highsmile.com. That's H-I-Smile.com and look out for their brand new kit. All right, let's get back to the show. I, as you were describing the two paths that you could walk down and knowing you're an athlete, it's like, I imagine two sports fields and it's like, what game are you going to play? What game do you want to play? And what we know about the world of dieting and weight loss and you probably don't know anything about my, my journey, but I struggled with an eating disorder in high school. And this is my body it's always been this way. It's just how I was born in the same way that you were born. And yet I still didn't feel good enough. And so we know when you go play that game of the weight loss and not accepting yourself, it will never end. Mm -hmm. You never get to sit on the sidelines in that game. You always are running, falling and feel behind. And it's just, Oh God, I, my heart breaks and I have so much empathy for everyone who is still on that field and who are still playing that game. Cause I get it. I know why they're doing it. I understand yeah. the messages that we receive are just, and it's um, scary, you know, it's scary. You know, I get messages that say I've been, you know, following you for some time. And I, I want to get off the, the diet train. I want to really, really, really bad. I can't do it anymore, but I'm so scared. I would ask, well, what, what is it that you're afraid of? And the answer is always, what if I gain weight? Yes. What if I'm all of a sudden in a bigger body? And it's a valid fear because bigger bodies aren't accepted. Like it's not, you don't see anybody who's successful in a bigger body that is also respected for their success, you know? And where their weight isn't talked about or part of the story. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, look at Adele, like she had this whole career. So it was so successful. And now the only thing that people talk about is her body size and how she's now thin. 
Like that's the major accomplishment, not the fact that she won like every Grammy that's existed. Like, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I think coming on, I was like, I I just, I don't even want to talk to Meg about her body. I want to know about her and her story. And at this stage, your body is so much of your story. It's part of your mission and your calling and your passion and what you've created. So it's hard to talk to you about your life without that being part of the conversation. But at the same time, I love seeing that now your body is what is building your community. Your body is what is inspiring others. Your body is your strength. It is what is allowing you to show up as such a bright light. It is a story that is bringing inspiration and creating space for so many women. And I'm just constantly in awe and amazed by all that you're doing. I'm curious to know how you're balancing and navigating your mental health as someone as well, who like struggles with anxiety (laughs) and things amidst like all this growth you've experienced. And this is all very fresh. Like we're talking about a couple of years you've decided, okay, I'm stepping off of that playing field and I'm going to start playing in this playing field. So it's all still really fresh. Like how are you taking care of yourself day to day amidst everything that's going on? Working out is definitely like the main source of me just feeling better. I can't always do it. And so like last week I didn't work out at all. And so that was a little, I started noticing like, huh, I feel different today. I have to like have alone moments and whether I'm writing in my journal or I'm listening to a podcast, I just need like a moment by myself to like kind of sit with my own thoughts. And I use a lot of CBD, I use CBD every day, every day. That's kind of like the main thing that I, that I use. That has supported you. Yeah. Even before this interview, like I, I use my little equilibria. And you notice a difference when you take it, like it just kind of little just, takes the edge off. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know how you just have kind of like that tension. Yeah. Oh, oh and, yeah. You know that. Yeah. And I just feel like that little bit of tension is just like gone. Yeah. Like I'm not necessarily just like, Oh, I could go to sleep. But yeah. I'm like, I just feel, I don't know, like relax. Like my muscles aren't like tense and I'm not like chewing at my jaw, <laughs> yes. which is what I do. Um, I also pick my nails a lot. I like I'm oh my constantly God, are we the same person. <laughs> yes. My nails are so bad. I'm showing her right now on the screen my like <laughs> nod at. And I was just at the dentist the other day and I'm like, what do I do about my I'm constantly clenching and I wake up in the morning with like that tight jaw. It's so interesting though how you said that you would like to take some sort of medication to support you but you haven't found the right doctor. So what is that about because I feel like again And I'm not wanting to compare here, but I do think it's important to note the different treatment. Like I was put on medication immediately and then now I want to get off the medication. Everyone's like, it's not the right time right now. (laughs) So what was the reasoning? Like how come I'm not saying medication is the answer for everyone by any means, such a personal journey, of course, but I'm just curious to know, like, why, why has it been hard to go there? So The reason that I want to be on medication, I've been on it once in my life before when I was about 17 or 18 years old, I actually attempted suicide back then. And that was all because of so many intrusive thoughts. I couldn't control them. No matter where I went, I would, and I would like see death. Like I would see myself dying or I'd see like other people dying. And it was very difficult to manage that. And so eventually I had to go into like an adolescent unit. Then I got put on medication, eventually came out of it. I started feeling better. The medication actually was working. And then I graduated. I went to college and I stopped taking it. I guess I was like, oh, I'm better now. I can get off of it, which I'm probably like, I'm probably like, I probably should have never done that. Probably should have stayed on it. And it was going great. (laughs) Oh God. I know. That's what I feel like. It's like, okay, I'm feeling better now. Time to get off. It's like, no, your your brain chemistry actually needs that consistently. Yeah. It's actually working. So yeah. (laughs) Um, But that went really, it it was good. And I remember the medication working and, and so now when that, it started happening again and I, when I drive is usually when it happens the most, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm in the passenger seat and I'm like, (gasps) (gasps) you know, like, (laughs) Your husband's like, Meg, chill. 
take it. It's every day, every day. (laughs) And I'm like, like, I just, (laughs) yeah. And I like pretend to step on the brake over there. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's really bad. And it's gotten so much worse. It's intrusive thoughts that just completely overtake me sometimes. And I can't control them. Like I just, when we're driving, I just, we're going on a stoplight and we're driving. And as soon as we get like under the stoplight, especially if it's a busy one, every single time I I brace, I like clench because I just wait for impact for somebody to like run the red light and to just T-bone right into us. Like, I just, I can't. Have you been in a car accident? No. Yeah. No, no. And then when I'm with my daughter, like when I'm with Macy, I just always imagine something terrible going wrong. And then I picture it and I'm like, ah, why did I picture that? That's so bad. Like, why, why would I picture that? And then I can't get it out of my head. And so I just know that, that when this started happening, when I was in high school, which eventually led me to, I didn't tell anybody about it. Didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my parents. Nobody knew. So they were just completely shocked whenever all of that happened and unfolded because I couldn't do it anymore. I was yeah. like, I'm done. Like, this is, how am I supposed to live like this? I, all I, all I want to do is just like, get rid of myself. Like, this is so bad. And so when that started happening, I was like, I need medication because I remember they went away yes. when I was on medication. And so I'm still waiting. I'm like, please anybody. So I went to the doctor and he was like, well, your blood pressure is a little bit high. So let's put you on medication for that. And I was like, okay. So I put, I went on medication and then I went back and he then said, well, I think the next step would be to do a full physical. And I'm like, can I please just have some medication for my mental health? Please. I don't want to go down that path again. And he said, well, let's do the physical first. I just want to make sure everything else is good before we move on to that step. And I had like three or four appointments like that last year. And I still, we still couldn't talk about that. And so I was like, okay, I'm done. So I just haven't gone back to that doctor because I'm yeah. like, well, maybe I need to look for a new doctor, but I've, I've gone to so many doctors at this point. I'm just like, it's going to be the same thing. Like I need to find somebody. I just need to go to like a psychiatrist. So maybe somebody who maybe yeah. they treat people better. I don't know. Oh my God. I just, I, yeah, I feel for you because it is so challenging finding somebody that, I mean, there's so many amazing doctors out there and there's a lot of incredible doctors who listen to this show and I'm glad we're having this conversation, right? It, it can feel hard though, to find the right match for you. And then to find someone who can like take the time to actually have the conversation and understand your history. I mean, we've been talking for 45 minutes right now and ideally every doctor would have 45 minutes, but they don't have that amount of time. If you could pass on a message to healthcare professionals specifically to support them and being more supportive of individuals in bigger bodies? What would you, what would you want them to know? One, I would say, listen to the patient, especially if they're in a bigger body, just listen, be open to what they say. And then also pretend that the person that just walked in, if they're plus size, pretend that they're not plus size and then treat them that way. That's really all it comes down to is like, like see me as a human, not as just somebody who's big that probably messed up their life somehow along the way and ate too much and doesn't work out and don't question them. If they tell you that they do work out. Cause I'm questioned all the time. Like when I say, yeah, I'm a, I'm an athlete and I, I power lift and I work out all the time and, and I love it. And then they kind of look at me like, how many times a week? Mm, like, do you like, like, is this a once a week thing or is this like a Sunday thing you do? Um, (laughs) so it's just that, that questionable stuff is just, it's exhausting. It just does. It just makes me, you feel like you're not like, you don't deserve treatment, that you don't deserve medical help, which is not the case. You're so deserving and so worthy. And it's, terrible that we're even having to discuss this as being a thing. Right. But I guess at, at the same time, it's these discussions that shine the light on things and create change. But I commend you because as you said, you're tired and like, I mean, I don't understand, but I, I, I can only imagine how tired it must be to just advocate for yourself as a human being and to constantly be seen in one way and 
the stereotypes that we place on all different types of bodies and the labels that we place, it has an impact on us. It has an impact on our mental health and the way that we see ourselves and the possibility that's out there. I work with a lot of women and oftentimes when we're working on healing their relationship with food and their body and moving from a space of restriction and rigidity and rules to a a space of more intuitive eating, the greatest fear of letting go of the restriction and rules is the fear of getting bigger, is the fear of gaining weight. And this is because we've been told that this is like one of the worst things that we can do. And that if you do that, you're going to have to wear one colored pair of pants and one specific blouse. And a lot of the opportunities in the world will be taken away from you and it will be harder to become a mom and all of these things. So I want to ask you a few questions and I would love to hear your perspective on these things Mm -hmm. in your body. Have you been able to find love? Yes. In your body, have you been able to find joy and happiness as it is right now? Yes. In your body, have you been able to find clothing that helps you to express yourself or allows you to express yourself? Depends. Sometimes, not always. Yeah. And that's something where I feel like we're starting to see little shifts and changes as companies finally start to understand that most women aren't zero to two, but there's still so much room. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I get, you know, how you mentioned that the fear of, well, what if I gain weight and then I'm in a bigger body all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. then I won't have those opportunities. I won't have the acceptance. I won't have success. I won't have love or clothes or anything. I'll be left with nothing. Whenever I have these conversations with people in my community, women in my community, I always say, well, what, what can you do now? you say right now that you're in a body that you can have all those things. So what can you do now with that privilege to make sure that if that ever happens to you, where you do live in a larger body, that those things are available. What can you do now to help those people so that if you ever by chance become one of them or somebody you love becomes one of them or is one of them that they feel safe and supported and happy like, what, what can you do now? And it always turns into this conversation of, well, I, I don't know. Like, what, what, what can I do then? How can I help those people? Because then it, then it turns into, well, you're right. Like, I'm so worried about becoming that, that I forgot that. What about the people who are already there? Yeah. I'm just, by me pushing this message of, oh, if I gain weight and I turn into that, I don't have all that. We're just pushing the message that that's deserving mm-hmm. that way. If you get to that point, that's well that you deserve it then because mm-hmm. you allowed yourself to do that. Right. But if we all have these conversations openly together with your friends, with family, with people you love, like on social media, if we're spreading that message and we're supporting the people who live in larger bodies who don't have all that access, mm-hmm. it's only going to help literally everybody yourself included if it were to come to that point, if you do, because you don't know what medical issue might arise in your life where you just, or a medication or something that just naturally makes you gain weight yeah, and it's, it's okay. And we need to be, you know, prepared for that. And that's kind of what I would just say to anybody who has that fear is, well, you know, what can, what can you do? What can we do now to make sure that, that, that group of people are supported and we make the world better for them. You know, I love that. And that was going to be one of my next questions is what can those of us who are living in smaller bodies do to support those around us who are living in larger bodies when we have the privilege to be born into a body that is deemed more acceptable, where there is without doubt a different treatment in moments. And so I think you answered that so perfectly there. It's using our voice and talking about and advocating for and creating change and making room for and the basics. Yeah. And are people around you, are people (laughs) around you using fat and using bigger bodies as the punchline as joke? Are they perpetuating that? And what can you do to stand up? 
I hear a lot, like I was in a group, I, you know, I'm thin and I was in a group of, of friends and they were, you know, making fun of this, you know, one actress who's bigger and like calling her names. And it made me feel uncomfortable. Cause ever since I started following you, I just like, I noticed those things now. And I'm like, well, say something. It's okay. You don't have to yes. be mean. Just say, well, you know, I, I don't think that's a nice thing to say. Like whatever yeah. you can come up with in that moment to just yeah. kind of say, Hey, actually fat isn't like a bad thing. Yeah. That, it takes that one little moment to open the, the conversation for the people around you to go, what? Yes. <laughs> what exactly. To just pause and, for a moment. Yeah. And it, it's huge. That's a huge thing to do because I feel like a lot of people don't, don't do that. It's just so common to see fat people as the villain and comedic relief. It's very normal. Yeah. So step out of the bubble and maybe say something in that moment. And that's one of the biggest things that you could do is, is be a voice for, for people who don't have one. Yeah. I think one of the things that from the conversations that I've had with women that people fear is that if their body gets bigger, that they won't be loved or accepted or that there won't be a place for them. And in some ways I'm like, this fear is justified because that's what we see and that's what we hear in this culture and that's what Mm -hmm. we learn and that's the experience. And so what you're doing by showing up on social media and by creating this incredible site and app, Fitness for Everybody, that there's just more possibility. And often I'll hear like, I want to lose the weight and then I'll start dating, or I'm not going to put myself out there for that promotion until I've lost the weight. It becomes this piece of like, I can't do that until I've lost the weight. What would you say to individuals who are in that space of waiting, 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 waiting? I guess my question to anybody who had that, would you really want to be with somebody who, who wouldn't love you no matter what you look like, who would only love you based on your, your size. And then your whole life, you'd have to make sure you stayed that size because that's the only way that they'll accept you and love you and appreciate you in their life. Like that, that doesn't sound like love. That sounds like, like conditional, a conditional relationship. So I don't know. I would just kind of think about that for a second. You know, my husband, I met him I was a different size than I am now. I don't know what size I was, but I know that I wasn't thin and my size has been all over the place the entire time we've been together and he's never treated me differently any other way. So I don't know what it would feel like if he actually told me like, Hey, you've gained a little bit of weight and maybe you should work out a little bit. You know, like, I think that would break me. Yeah. I think I would feel so betrayed because I would feel like, I thought you loved me for who I am and not what I look like. Mm -hmm. And I understand that people say, well, you know, it's okay to have preferences in what you, you like, like that. What if somebody's just, they prefer thin people. They don't prefer fat people. And I mean, it's just like, I prefer blondes over brunette or vice versa. Well, my thing is, do you though, do you really prefer this over that or is that just what you always see shown on everywhere you look? And that's, what's like, this is sexy. So that's what you're not exactly. So if this is not the person that you're putting on your social media, that's like, here's my girlfriend, right? Like that doesn't get you points with all your boys. Like, why would that be somebody that you want to be with? And we know that this is a taught and uh, that this is taught and something that is learned because the, idyllic female body has changed shapes over centuries. And there are Mm -hmm. cultures where heavier bodied women are the beauty ideal where that is like what is most prized, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) And so we know that these things are learned like what, and they're taught and with boys, they're literally boys now having access to things like porn and so many images they're being taught at a very young age as to what is sexy, what is beautiful. And it's sad. I know you never see the the love story of a couple like me and my husband, like we're in, you, we, you wouldn't see our love story on like a major motion picture film, you know, with like a very complex storyline and, you know, our characters developing. And we would literally be like the side characters that come over for dinner one day and like eat too much. Like that would be 
our story. I feel like it would be very different if we would see so many different types of relationships and marriages. And like, if we saw those connections and so many different types of people, I just think that people wouldn't say, oh, well, I only prefer thin people. Like you would see the love and you would see the connection, the human connection amongst so many different kinds of people. Yeah. And it would open your eyes and be like, cause I feel like that's kind of what happened with me is, you know, I, I fell in love with my husband and we have this amazing marriage and relationship and I, at the time, I think back and I do remember when I first met him, that the first thing in my head was that he was a plus size man. Like that's the first thing in my head that I remember like in all the room, cause they were like football players. And like in my head, he was the plus size one, even though he, there was a lot of guys that were a lot bigger than him, but that was acceptable because they're a football player. And like, but for him, I don't know why I just was like, oh, well, he's like, he's a bigger guy and, yeah. but that's okay. Like, I remember thinking like, that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll give him a shot. And in my head, I'm like, I can't believe I thought that at one point, because now right. I don't, I don't see that at all. Like I don't, it's not, it's not a thing in our marriage at all, our size. So what would you say to individuals who feel like, but being plus size or being in a heavier body just isn't healthy. Like it's just not healthy for the person which I feel like I've heard a lot, if I'm being honest. (laughs) And yet I look at you doing your powerlifting and vibrant and like with this glow and creating so much. What would you say to those individuals? Define healthy. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of is how, how do you define it? If you look at someone who is in a bigger body, what makes you automatically assume that? Mm -hmm. Do you assume that? they don't work out. Do you assume that they eat fast food every day? Cause it, what it sounds like is it's nothing but assumptions. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, okay, well, I have this person in my life that is in a bigger body and we went to the doctor and they have all these numbers. And like, if you're talking about a very specific person and you have all the medical data, then you can talk about their health and maybe have a conversation about it. But if we're talking in general, it's all based on assumption because you can't just say every big person that lives is unhealthy because it's just absolutely not true. And it's the assumptions that get really frustrating, especially for someone like me, because I face it every single day, no matter what, no matter where I go, people who I'm supposed to trust like doctors, I get treated the same way. What is health? (laughs) I, I would ask somebody to, to write it down. What, what is health? Because if we're talking about like health and well-being and wellness, it's all about a, a practice. You know, you're, you're, you're making choices that benefit you and provide you with a better life. And that's literally anything, not just the food that you put in your mouth or the way that you move your body. It's literally physically, financially, socially, mentally, all these things that are all interconnected all based on your own personal choices that you're making. So we don't know anything about what personal choices everyone is making for their health and wellness by just looking at them. End of story. It's that simple. And that's pretty much what I would say. Mic drop. (laughs) Period. End of story. Oh my God. That was brilliant and perfect. Oh, you, I mean, I can't wait to continue to watch you soar and I applaud you for showing up in the way that you do and for continuing to make space for yourself and for others around, no matter what size their body is for showing up and having these conversations, despite the fact that you have a little one at home and (laughs) growing your family and like all of us navigating this health thing and that health thing and the pandemic and all of the stuff that's happening. So however I can continue to support and uplift the work that you're doing, just let me know. For anybody who's interested in grabbing her book, we'll link to it down below as well as the new platform that she's created. It is stunning. It's beautiful. Like everything (laughs) that you've put together is just incredible. If you could send one email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman's email tomorrow. And that was going to be your last message. What would you say? I would say probably one of my favorite things to repeat to myself. I would say your body is your home 
please don't burn it to the ground. I love that. So just take a moment right now to acknowledge that your body is your home and ask yourself, what is one thing that you could do to help lift it up, to help brighten it up, to help it feel a little better for you to exist in? Meg, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.